You can't get her back. Now, you know if you hang up, 
you're going to you're going to get the same scene. Furthermore, if you hang up, it may turn out then you don't even get through there. Their lines are all busy. So now you've at least got them. I have talked across this country, friends, fellow victims. I have talked to at least 250 airline offices after holding for a minimum, sometimes as long as 45 minutes. You know that that uh, that recording. You have received the recording. Uh, thank you for calling Japan Aero Airlines. Our ticket agencies and our information and reservations desk is completely filled with incoming calls. You can't think of how the hell I get incoming calls. It's quarter after 4 a.m. And they're completely filled with incoming calls. When you please hold the line for one moment and our line will automatically switch you to a clerk's telephone when it is not busy. Now, you know what's going to happen. All you have to do is pick up the phone again. You hang up, you see, in a, in a fit of rage. Damn it! I want to hang up! You hang up, see? And then you pick up the phone again. All right, I'm going to call again. Pick up the phone and you dial the number again. You figure this time you may sneak one in real quick. You hear, ah, ah. Good evening. Thank you for calling Japip Aero Airlines. <laughs> I got that damn tape again. Well, now you got only one choice. PDU hot foot it down there to the desk yourself and reach over and grab that guy right by his his apple, his, his Adam's apple, pull his tie down around his knees and say, give me a ticket, you slob. I want to get the airplane. Or else you hang on the phone for sometimes 30 minutes or so, and then what happens after 30 minutes? There's a click and you get... Another 752 message units for Ma Bell. Oh, there's all kinds of ways to make money if you've got a phone company that have nothing to do with conversations. Nothing whatsoever. In fact, they're anti-conversation devices. So, uh, <laughs> it's the truth, man. And, and, now, I, I, uh, I, one time, one time, I'll never forget the time that I, I got so mad. I was calling, I was in, uh, let me tell you what town it was. I won't, I won't, you know, because they'll they wind up and fire the guy. But, uh, I was was in a town, and I was in this Howard Johnson, see, in the hotel, or the, the Howard Johnson Motel. Now, on the back of my ticket, you know, they, they give you this little folder that's uh, your airline ticket, shows the wings and all that stuff, you know, makes the going great, it makes the, makes the friendly skies friendlier and all that stuff, see. Well, it had been a mean flight down to begin with. The, uh, the uh, stewardess, reminded me a little of my Aunt Clara. She apparently was having trouble with her upper plate, and she was in a mad, mean situation. She served us uh, paper cups, little tiny. I don't know where they got these little paper cups. Now, have you noticed that the airlines have discovered uh, extra small paper cups that are about the size of the kind that the dentist gives you when he's got it full of Lavoris? Maybe they buy it from a dental place. But anyway, they get these little, these little tiny paper cups full of this curious liquid uh, a sort of lukewarm, tepid brown liquid, reportedly coffee. It's airline coffee. That's not, uh, nothing to do with instant coffee, even, which is bad enough. But this is airline coffee, which is another thing. See, so anyway, I'm sitting there with my little tepid cup full of this stuff which he gave to us. I had my choice of either that or flat 7-Up. Uh, curiously enough, apparently they had opened their, their two bottles of 7-Up on the flight going up to New York, and on the way back... 
they were finishing the seven up. And, uh, and you know, you got nothing but this flat seven up. Or <laughs> you ought to see the commercials for this airline, too. You know, some of those commercials for airlines make it look like when you step on that plane, you are stepping, you are putting your foot. One foot is now in paradise. In some airlines, that may be true. However, uh, <laughs> that is depending on what life you've lived in the past. It could be the other way around. But uh, nevertheless, uh, I, I remember, you know, sitting there, and, and, and of course, you can't fault the pilot for bumpy air. You, you certainly can't. Because as a pilot, I know that bumpy air is something that, uh, that American Airlines, TWA, United East, and none of them invented. And uh, they don't like it any more than you do, see. But the, the, the problem that we had, though, with this thing was that the, the seats in the airplane did not have any little tables or anything. So you're sitting there with this little cup in your hand, and, and we were dropping maybe 40, 50, maybe up to 500 feet at a shot. You know, we drop, and there'd be this gob of liquid, and hanging in midair, you know, it, it, it was like in orbit. And it's hanging there, see, uh, weightlessness. That's exactly what it was. And then on the way back up, I would try to catch the liquid in the cup again, see. <laughs> and always, some would elude me and land on my corduroy knickers. So, nevertheless, this was getting to be damned irritating. So, finally, I said to the girl, I said, uh, would you take this coffee? And she said, all right. It was kind of bugged. And I said, uh, please take it. She said, well, we'll finish it first. I can't take it back like that. And I said, well, what do you mean? I said, I'll either pour it on the floor or I'll pour it in your ear. And so she says, uh, take it. All right, all right, okay, okay. And went away with that attitude like a... Uh, Oh, boy, you sure meet cuckoos on this. Oh, what a job. What a rotten, stinking job. You have to deal with these nuts all the time. You know, so I'm sitting there truculent. Incidentally, I'm one of those few guys who never, ever complains in a restaurant. Have you ever, have you ever complained in a restaurant? I mean, really complains. Look, this is rotten. Ever? No way. I'm one of the... Uh, I guess most restaurants know that there's, that there's a certain percentage of guys who demand what they pay for. <laughs> and that's a tiny percentage, of course, today. Uh, and then there's the rest of them, the great herd. Put anything in front of them, you know, guys. Uh, uh, no matter what it is, they'll, put it, they'll eat it and leave. They may not come back, but they'll pay. And what the hell, you know? Here, they're here today, gone tomorrow. So the only time I ever complained about anything like that uh, was just here this past week. You know that I went into a restaurant in an airline terminal you know, they, they have these hotels in, in airline, the big uh, hotels that are right on the airport. Uh, for argument's sake, I will say it was in Boston. And, and it was in Boston. Anyway, I go down to this place, and they, and, and they had this elegant coffee shop. I want to tell you, you know the kind of coffee shop that's called uh, the Bullen's Stirrup. You know, have you seen? That's a, that's a whole big new development in our country now, is to name everything after hypothetical English places, you know, have a, a sound of hardiness, you know, you know, the, uh, you know things like uh, the, the, the clarion horn. Uh, I, I was in one called that one time, you know, the, the bull and bear. And, of course, they have the big stuffed bear and the wall and bull. And you, you have this feeling that you're going to be eating hearty English food where the guy wheels in this gigantic uh, side of beef and whacks you off a chunk of beef, you know, with a big sword. Well... Let me tell you, if the, if the food was anything like the names, would be great. Uh, I mean, we would be living right off, high off the hog, if I may use the expression. But nevertheless, I ordered a sandwich thing. I figured, well, and, 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 and they had a great big menu, fantastic menu. 
And it uh, was all couched in the pseudo-early English terminology, like, my lord, a quote, <laughs> quote the night, egad, but the groaning board certainly is rich and viable today. And underneath it says, groaning board of sandwiches for my lord's pleasure. Well, they had all these fantastic sandwiches, like round, uh, like, uh, for example, uh, the choice of Sir Arthur's round table beef sandwich. Uh, things like Guinevere's special eggs benedicto. Uh, you know, oh, you know, it was all, all very, uh, you had this feeling like you were sitting down in a baronial. Henry VIII would have eaten there, you know, the kind of throwing bones over his shoulder and, and uh, stuffing himself like a pig, which reminds me, this is WOR New York. Yes, sir. There's only one. No, only one. Get ready with the E.T., okay? The, the number one on the list there, all right? There's only one cure for it. When drains clog in kitchen, bath, or laundry, <laughs> call Roto-Rooter. Have you ever had the, uh, have you ever had the, uh, the immediate, how can I say it? The immediate uh, reaction, the immediate desire to go after one of your friends with a roto looter. <laughs> yes, sir. Well, I mean, you know, this, this, is, this is just uh, in passing. Anyway, I, I actually did it. For the first time in my life, I did it. Uh, you know what happened? It was a great moment. I'm sitting in there, and, and uh, they gave me this big menu, and it was imitation, uh, imitation parchment. Uh, yes, and it would look like it was written with a quill pen, and all around the walls they had these artifacts, like on one wall they had uh, tankards all hanging, you know, big brass tankards. On, uh, on the other wall they had a gigantic, what looked like a breastplate from some knight's armor, and uh, then there was hunting prints all over the place. So I'm sitting there, saying, yeah, and, and it, had, it had old wood, it looked like it was old wood, or yeah, gnarled wood, great big wood tables. I figured, gee, this place really, uh, you know, a groaning board, you know, it must be something. So uh, she came over. The lady was dressed in what looked like uh, late medieval waitress attire. You, you saw Tom Jones, you know, with the puffy white. Uh, the only one thing, she was roughly, oh, I'd say 80, 82, something like that. But it was all right. The heart was in the right place. I'm not going to put it down for that. She didn't look quite the way she should have in the dirndle. But uh, anyway... She came over and said, well, what would you like? Well, not that isn't exactly what she said. Let's face it, it was an airport. She said, what do you want? All right, so I said, uh, uh, I'll have uh, Sir Mordred's Revenge. And uh, she said, huh, that's number four? And I said, yeah, number four, Sir Mordred's Revenge. Hmm. And she took the menu and she read it, you know, because apparently most guys come and say, give me number five, you know. So I said, I want Sir Mordred's Revenge. I see, that's a pastrami. In Boston, they call it pastrami. That's pastrami and the cheese melted, I see. All right, okay. Away she goes, see. So Sir Mordred's Revenge. Don't really realize how true that was. And Sir Mordred was in the kitchen. Uh, <laughs> you like this, don't you? <laughs> I, I'm sitting, I'm waiting. I, this is so funny because I was the only guy in a restaurant. And you'd think, you know, that, that you'd immediately get served and they would they would give you something really great. You're the only guy. I was the only one sitting in there. Now, so help me God, I was the only one. 
And there must have been about 45 empty tables and about 25 empty booths. Nobody in there. All right? And the waitresses were standing around picking their teeth, and, and uh, the lady behind the, uh, behind the uh, cash register was over there reading uh, Cosmo, you know, 49 ways on how do we get revenge on your man. And uh, so I, I'm sitting there waiting. I get a little restive. I hate to be the only guy sitting in a restaurant. So I, I'm sitting around there waiting. And the time goes by, time goes by, and they keep walking by me. And I hear muttered the imprecations in the kitchen, which was only... For, for some reason or other, they, they apparently expected five million people to suddenly come in this restaurant because they very carefully seated me in the worst place in the entire restaurant. There were 45 empty places, and they put me right in the middle of that, you know, right next to that, that big uh, rack where the women throw the trays and all that stuff, you know, and, and the ketchup and all that stuff. So I'm sitting there next to this damn thing. I've already, see, I've accepted one insult. Now, that's an important point. Once you've accepted that insult, you, you are then, well, have you ever seen what a bum does? Do you know that, that old-fashioned hobos used to walk around, and whenever they found a mark, like, uh, you know, they'd go up to the house and say, hey, lady, would you give me something to eat? And the lady would, you know, lay a, a four-pound turkey on them, you know, and, and the seven gallons of uh, bourbon, uh, you know, and, and take him out in the back there and uh, let him sleep under the porch and all that stuff. He would mark that house as as this is a mark. You know, that's where the term mark came from. You didn't know that. You, you heard sucker is referred to as mark. Well, this is a hobo term. And and he would take a piece of chalk or something, and they had a little mark he would put on the sidewalk out in front of the house. And that was literally, you were then a mark. And, and the next hobo comes along, and he says, here's a mark, you know. <laughs> it's, well, yeah, so he immediately goes in. Well, they must have a way of doing that restaurant, you know. They, they spot a mark. Now, how they test you is when you walk in, you walk in right away, see, and uh, 45 empty tables, right, uh, 700 booths empty. All the waitresses are standing around playing Parcheesi. Obviously, the place is not busy, right? And uh, so they, they, they test you to see how much of a mark you are. The lady who is the uh, the uh, the seater, you know, she's the she's the maitre d. She comes up with the menus, you know. She says, "Oh well, how many?" Of course, you're there all by yourself. Oh, one. All right, fine, fine. Now she immediately then this is the test takes you to the seat that is either just outside of the men's jaw, where every thirty seconds the door swings open and you get this big whiff of disinfectant, which uh, mingles nicely with your with your shrimp cocktail. Uh, now, if you accept that one, friend, you get the balsa wood sandwich. <laughs> that minute out, you're, they, they must put a thing down on the on the check. Mark, he's good. See, well, I was a second degree Mark. I, I could see that uh, because they didn't put me next to the men's john, you know, with the with the, the swinging door hitting you on the knee all the time. They put me next to the big rack. Well, now, this is also a subtle kind of insult to sit you. Of all the places to put you, they put you next to this rack where all the women keep bringing back dirty dishes. Wow, pow, you know, you're getting the pickle early on the knee. And she says, oh, excuse me. And she takes past this uh, tray full of cigar butts and stuff and puts it up there. Well, all right, okay, I accept it. I figure, well, what the hell, you know. I'm not, I, I just didn't feel like fighting. So I sat next to that thing. Okay? Now, I'll give you a tip. Whenever you're put next to that rack, just say no. She will immediately, suddenly, have another booth. <laughs> this has happened to me many times. Oh, oh, I see. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. So she's never seen this rack there. 
She always shows surprise. Oh, yes, yes, that is a rack over there, isn't it? Oh, of course, yes, I can understand that. And then she takes you to, you know, a reasonable seat, like next to the men's room, uh, which is the next one up. So I'm sitting in the seat, right? Twenty minutes go by. Now, you would expect with no business in there that the, that the cooks in the, in the back end would, would be cheering. You know, hey, we got, you know, somebody's come in. Oh, whoopee, you know, idle hands and all that stuff, the devil's tools. You know, they would love to do No, 20 minutes, 25 minutes combined, and I'm getting a little restive, see, at this point, and uh, a little, little bugged. And finally, in, in, in the mild form of uh, protest that uh, most of us marks have, she went past and said, oh, excuse me, uh, excuse me, uh, my my plane is going to leave. Uh, uh, oh, yes, of course. <laughs> Aren't you served yet? I said, well, no, no. You know, I'm, I'm making paper airplanes out of my, my napkins, and I'm sitting there, for, you know, obviously not eating. See, she, she expressed a surprise at that. Oh, well, for heaven's sakes. Oh, well, yes. When did you come in? <laughs> when did I come in? I said, well, I've been here maybe 25 minutes. Oh, well, Ethel's off duty. I said, who? She said, Ethel's off duty. That was the other one, the one that came. I said, well, Ethel's off duty. Well, yeah, she's, she went. Uh, she, this is her station. Oh, well, uh, I ordered uh, Sir Mordred's Revenge, number three there, or four, or something. It's Sir Mordred's Revenge. Oh, well, uh, I'll see about it. Bugged. So she goes running back in the kitchen. I hear a couple of muttered imprecations back in there, some rattling dishes. And about five minutes later, she reappears with Sir Mordred's revenge. Puts it down in front of me. For starters, it was on a paper plate. This is hardly my idea of a groaning board. Uh, yeah, it was on a paper plate. Now, uh, I'll give you a tip. First, well, not a tip, a hint. The more expensive the sandwich, this is Shepherd's rule of thumb, the more expensive the sandwich, the rottener it is. This was a four ninety five sandwich. I'm not kidding you, a four ninety I don't want to even tell you what the entrees were. <laughs> oh man, the four ninety five sandwich. See, so yeah, well, you know, it had melted cheese on it. You know, that takes all that's that's at least three dollars right there just to melt a slice of American cheese, you know, that craft cheese. So uh nevertheless uh, it was a, had melted cheese. So she puts it down in front of me, see, and and, and uh now there's a certain trick that really cheapo restaurants have. They have a clever way of making food look like it might be food. You see, if it came out looking the way it really is, you'd immediately either heave all over the floor, jump up and run out, or call a cop, or try to beat it to death with your shoe. Uh, but in this case, uh, I looked at it, see, and I said, oh, all right, this is Sir Mordred's Revenge. What the hell? And it was covered with, uh, with limp, flexible potato chips. That's another trick. If you take one little piece of meat, <laughs> you know, that's about the size of the top of your, your, uh, you know, the eraser on your ballpoint pen, and it has about that consistency, by the way, if you, uh, it often tastes that way, too. If you, if you take one little piece of meat and you cover it with potato chips, now, see, these are prop potato chips. Nobody eats them. You must understand, these are used over and over again. Uh, they're taken back into the kitchen, dusted off, and put on the next paper plate. So I could see that these were like, uh, you know, like garnish. 
they were not to be eaten. They were they were too limp first for starters, and I could see they were kind of old, uh, very old. And so the paper paper plates covered with the potato chips. So I take one half of the sandwich. I was cutting half. See, I take one half. Amazing, absolutely amazing. It was the first sandwich I had ever had, and I've had some sandwiches. I'll never forget one time in Company K. Uh, when they served us some sandwiches one time out, out in the field, there was a lot of complaining about the quality of the sandwiches that were served us. And I thought at that point I had reached the nadir of my sandwich-eating career. But I want to tell you this. Have you ever seen a sandwich? Now, I don't know how they did it anatomically. This is what surprises me. The sandwich was supposed to have this pastrami in it. Now, I, I've had pastrami in a thousand places here in New York, you know, and I know something about it. But anatomically, I don't know what part of the animal pastrami itself comes from. Are you aware of this? Do you know? Well, I was amazed to find that, uh, that it's, it's possible to make a pastrami sandwich that is that consists of entirely, I mean entirely, entirely gristle. Now, I was amazed. I had never seen that before. First of all, I mean, as a, as a man with a naturally curious turn of mind, I was curious about what kind of animal it came from, because it was a, a rather large piece of gristle. Uh, I'm saying, you know, he must have, you know, gristle is uh, usually is small, but this was a big, and both halves of the sandwich were made entirely of gristle. Now, the gristle had been nicely covered with melted American cheese, which uh, makes it hard to tell, but the, uh, all I knew is that, that I couldn't bite it which was kind of surprising. I bit into it twice, and I figured, well, I got the wrong end of it, and I tried on the other end. No way. Uh, all the way around, both halves of the sandwich. You could not bite into it. Well, it was late. My airplane was leaving in 25 minutes. There I was trapped. Now I was faced with one of those moral dilemmas that the modern man is always faced with. Do you just go up and pay and say, what the hell, and leave? Now this is what most people do. Say, so, well, you win some, you lose some. Except these days, you have to say, you win once in a while, you lose a hell of a lot. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's the truth. It really is. If you travel around a lot, you must, you must realize how, how incredibly bad the service is getting in places all over the country. It's incredible. I mean, really inexpensive joints. So here I am. You have a four ninety five sandwich that is a totally impossible to eat. Well, I'm sitting there debating. What do I do? And this waitress looked like the motherly type. She looked a little bit like uh, Mary Worth. Uh, you know, Mary Worth, you, you can't really yell at Mary Worth, you know. Uh, and she had this kindly look about her, and she I could tell her feet were hurting her. She obviously had two or three grandchildren at home. She had a hell of a time raising the kids and all that, you know. And here she was out working in this this uh, this cheesy restaurant, you know, that, pretend, that pretended to be serving the groaning board of the English round table for Arthur's nights and all that stuff. You know, this must be humiliating. Well, I, I finally said, to hell with it. I'm going to say it. And she came over and says, is everything all right? Obviously, you know, everybody says, yeah, yeah, they walk out and they pay. I said, no. As a matter of fact, I said, this sandwich is completely inedible. She said, oh? She leaned over and looked at it, obviously, though, radiating disbelief. And I said, no, I said, it's, you can't eat it. I said, look, it's, it's made entirely of gristle. 
I said, I don't know how he did it. That's quite a trick. He said, well, that, that, that's uh, number four. I said, but, but I can't eat it. Well, you haven't heard the last remark. She says, well, uh, that's, that's, uh, that's what you ordered. I did not order a gristle sandwich. I ordered, I, look, look what it says. It says a succulent, rich, vibrant, uh, luscious pastrami nestled on a bed of steaming grilled cheddar English cheese with homemade Aunt Molly's bread. And I said, that, 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 she said, well, that's what you ordered. I said, hey, I can't eat this. Well, at that point, her stony heart relented a little, and she had a consultation. I had a feeling like I was sitting... You know, I had a feeling like I was uh, I was the uh, the captain of the defensive team of the Jets, and a very difficult decision is now being made by the referees as to whether they're going to they're gonna give me a 15-yard penalty, or a 10-yard penalty, or a 5-yard penalty, or throw me out of the game. Obviously, I was on the defensive. I figured I'd be on the offensive for once, see? So I was on the defensive, like, who the hell is this guy come in here complaining about Sir Mordred's revenge? He's the first guy we had in over seven years complaining about it. They just throw the money down and run. What is this guy? So, <laughs> yeah, they, I could see that. And they kept looking at me. These two waitresses were, were, were having a consultation with the, with the uh, they were looking at the menu, and they'd look over, and she had the sandwich over there now. And... They came up with a, a solution worthy of Solomon. Now, I must salute them for this. Obviously, I was, I was uh, sitting over there looking truculent, and I was making no moves to go over to the register and to pay the bill and leave. Now, there's going to be a problem with this one. Now, it's obviously against all principles of cockamamie restaurants to give you your money back. Have you ever had your money back in a restaurant? No way, man. You could get a cockroach salad, and you would not get your money back. Believe me. Uh, <laughs> and I have had them. Uh, no way. They would come and bring you a, uh, a caterpillar salad then instead, you know, which I've had, had too in restaurants. So I, I, uh, I said, the, you know, I'm just sitting there, see, and, and so finally... The first waitress comes back to me, and she says, uh, well, she said, uh, here, I've, I've made an adjustment. And she's taken my bill, and she's crossed all kinds of stuff over it, and now I am being charged two ninety-five. dollars So it's $2.95 on And I said, uh, well, what, what did you do? What is all this scribbling? She says, well, uh, well, Louise said what we should do is instead of charging you for Sir Mordred's revenge, we're going to charge you for a for a club sandwich. I but I didn't have a club sandwich. She says, but uh, we can't. Uh, we simply can't. Uh, after all, she made out the check. Evelyn made the check out, and we can't. Uh, we can't simply say uh, uh, that uh, that you didn't have a sandwich. You did have a sandwich. But what we'll do is charge you for a uh, a BLT or a club sandwich. And then you won't have to pay for Sir Mordred's Revenge, which is a Reuben sandwich, which would be four ninety-five. I said, okay, all right, all right, you know. And you know, a curious transition occurred between paying the sandwich, you know, getting this laid on me, and walking over and paying the sandwich. In the in the forty feet as I walked over towards 
the register. Being a true mark, now when you're a true mark, markism was all, will always come to the surface. In spite of the fact that, that a mark uh, may seem at times to get on the muscle, his true markism will always come through. So what do you think I did between the when I was sitting at the little booth over there next to the, next to the rack with the dishes slopping the gravy over on my ear, and the register, I began to feel like they were doing me this fantastic favor. I did. I, I saw myself doing it. They were doing me this favor, you know, letting me get off with only three dollars instead of you know the five dollars that I was supposed to pay for the gristle sandwich. They were letting me off for three. And by the way, I did not even take one bite out of the damn sandwich. Impossible. You know, I was, uh, you know, the first, in, uh, first uh, instinct I had was to eat all the bread. I realized that would be silly. You know, then I'd have to pay all the way. See, so I, I went over to the, I went over to the, to the lady there. See, she's sitting there reading uh, Cosmo. You know, she's got these very hip-looking shades on. And I, you know how it is. Sometimes you have to wait three, four, five minutes at the register. Just she decides to ring it up. You know, so I'm, I'm. <coughs> You know, out the outside, I could see out in the out in the tarmac, you know, out there on the ready line. They're warming up the 707. Wow, you know, there are people going to, I'm still standing around. See, she knew this. So <laughs> I, I said, uh, excuse me, can I pay my bill? And she takes a look at the check. She says, what's this? What's this? And I said, uh, what's my bill? And she said, uh, Evelyn, Evelyn, what, 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 uh, I can't, what, what is this? Oh my God! I'm going through another uh, another veil of terror. See, at that point, Evelyn comes skulking out from behind the kitchen there, looking real embarrassed. And uh, the lady with the hip glasses says, "What? What is this?" And uh, and and Evelyn says, "Well, you see, he uh, uh, he we, he ordered uh, number four, and uh, it uh, he, it came, and it was uh, he said it wasn't good. He said it wasn't uh, wasn't what he wanted, and uh, he then." Uh, he then ordered a club sandwich. Well, she looked at me suspiciously, see, because the bill had been all my, like I had done it. You know, I had scratched all this off, see. She says, uh, well, will you initial this, Evelyn? And he, she gave it to Evelyn, and Evelyn says, no. She says, I, I, I don't want it. She says, oh, my God. At that point, four people came in a restaurant. She turned to me and said, uh, are you trying to get by without paying this bill or what? I said, no, no, I, I, you see, I ordered a, a, a Sir Mordred's Revenge and a number four. And, and it came and it was, it was made out of, out of gristle. And she says, did you order number four? And I said, I did order number four. She said, well, then you pay for number four. Oh, jeez. I don't have to tell you how that wound up. I'm the only guy you have ever heard of who paid $5 for a gristle sandwich, which he did not eat. Now, if any of you know anything about gristle, you know doggone well that gristle is uh, it, it's almost indestructible, right? I know what they did. They took that gristle sandwich back in the kitchen, Sir Mordred washed it off, and they put it to one side for the next guy that came in and ordered Mordred's Revenge. I know that sandwich was used over and over again, and I'd like to say this. To all of you guys out there who might, there might be some guys listening. It would be kind of nice, wouldn't it? Uh, if, if we formed a, a kind of a, a nostalgic uh, association. You know how guys get together, you know, the, uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's an association called the 
survivors of Omaha Beach. Did you know that? And and uh, every June 6th, they get together and talk about the good old days when they were getting shot at on Omaha Beach, you know, those great old days. Well, uh, you know, there's such a group. Wouldn't it be kind of great if, if uh, the survivors of Sir Mordred's Revenge, all of us who've been taken by that same sandwich, there may be two, three hundred of you listening tonight, all of whom bought the same sandwich that I bought. And we could sit and talk about other great gristle sandwiches that we bought, you know, get a little pin, you know, a little kind of an early English pin, Sir Mordred, you know. <laughs> and, uh, and that we could have a, a ceremonial yearly meeting, by the way. We could go back and have it in that restaurant. And, uh, of course, we could confuse them if all 35 of us who showed up for the celebration ordered Sir Mordred's Revenge. They'd have to give it to us in rotation, obviously. You know. <laughs> oh man. Well, uh, you, oh, you thought you thought that you thought that I'd lost the thread about the telephone thing. No way. Oh no, that's all tied in with today's, uh, you know, with today's exciting, fantastic, affluent life. The other day, I phoned this friend of mine. I mean, everything's working out. Don't worry. I paid the four ninety five, and she didn't thank me. After all, you don't thank a guy who's attempting to cheat you. She just gave me this glaring look through these hip shades and went back to Cosmo. You know, the lead Cosmo item, how to get back at that rotten, rotten, stinking man. If you think I'm inventing this, that is the name of the lead article this month. <laughs> right on the front, front cover, how to get back at that rotten, stinking man. Well, you know, one of these deep-thinking writers, W.H. Manville, you know, he's going to tell him how to do it. So, and, you know, this, you can just see that love abounds everywhere. So... I, I I paid the four ninety five, and then of course I, I walked down because in the flurry of excitement I and the fact that my plane was just about to leave, I, I walked down the corridor, see very hurriedly, and I had this this uh, little uh, suitcase I had with stuff in it, you know, and I was on my way back, I was in a hurry, see, so I got about oh maybe forty fifty feet down the corridor when suddenly hit me, oh I forgot the tipper, I forgot the tipper. At that point, being a true mark, what do you think I did? That's right. I turned right around, marched right back, and I took out of my pocket what it was, 10% like, well, nobody tips 10% anymore, right? That would have been $5 for the sandwich alone, not including the dollar and a quarter for the cup of coffee. And, uh, you know, and, uh, and the 75 cents for uh, that little olive that she brought there called a salad. So at that point, here, you know, at the $8 bill, at that point I figured, well, you know, so I laid a buck right down there on the table, and I turned around just in time to realize that my plane had left. Oh, it was fantastic timing. They got this mark come and going. They shot him down on a wing, and I, was, I suddenly realized that I was a moving target, and I was hit by that, that 410 shell caught right there in my bottom as I was taken off from the weeds, just like your average quail. <laughs> so I casually moseyed on down to the terminal, which it keeps being referred to by most clerks in most. Uh, I've I've decided, incidentally, no longer do I. Uh, I I'm going along with life. I, I I don't find it. I I really don't. I I uh, I used to I used to correct airline clerks and you know busboys. Uh, you know, you, 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 hey, uh, hey, fella, you taking a cab at a terminal? Uh, I used to say, you mean the terminal? 
Well, yeah, that's what I said. You going down to the terminal? I said, yeah, I'm going to the terminal. Okay, uh, anybody else here for the terminal? So I gave up the correcting people. I now say terminal. I go the way. Yes. Oh, I, I, have you noticed how, how, how deplorably my speech has sunken recently? Well, I've gone all the way, you know. You go over to Jersey and you say, may I have one of those donuts? You're liable to be totally um, uh, it's like you're speaking a foreign language. You go into your average diner on Route 3 and you say, may I have one of those donuts, please? Oh, everybody in the place is going to look over and say, oh, ho, 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 toity you know, what have we got here? And the next thing you know, they're chasing you out of the parking lot with their Hondas. So what you have to do is you take the, go, go with it, friend. Stop it, you know, don't quit fighting it. So you go into a diner and you say, Hey, give me one of them donuts. Now oh, you're talking a language. You're talking a language. And do you ever say thanks to anything like that when they give it to you? No way. The, the chick says, You want you want sugar to plain. Now what do you say? Oh, I want the give it a give it a give it a sugar. And she brings you the plane. What do you say? You say, uh, oh I uh, uh, excuse me, but uh, I ordered the sugar donuts. If you uh, please, uh, no, you say. Hey, what is it with the what is it with the plain donut, stupid? I, I said I want a sugar. At which point she will know that you're just one of the average uh, walking around customers, and uh, at that point she will turn to you and say, Oh, you said plain. I heard you right. Then he said plain, and you say, Give me the sugar donut. And shut up. Now you're talking the talk. You're talking the language. You say thank you when the donut is offered to you? No. You grab the donut in one hand, you stick it in your cup of coffee with the other hand, immediately dunk it into the coffee, and you say, how much is that? And she, that's what you say. You say, 15 cents. Can't you read, stupid? It's up there. And you say, oh, shut up. And at that point, you know, there's a nice rapport has been established between two fellow citizens of the 20th century. And uh, everything works along fine. But there are signs that there are certain niceties beginning to emerge, if I may put it this way. The other day, I called this agent. who well, you never get on the phone, right? It is a matter of principle. No agent comes to the phone. Uh, at least until he keeps you for 30 or 40 minutes waiting. So I call the agent up, and I says, uh, I want to talk to Harry. I said to his girl, she says, will you... Please, one moment. He's on the other phone. He's talking to the coach. He also has uh, Daryl Zanuck in uh, London. And he's, uh, he's talking to Greenland. Uh, hold on a minute. I'll put you on hold. She goes, whoop. And what comes on? He's got an automatic thing that when you put on hold, they send you classical music. Now, the, uh, I'm sitting there listening to, to Beethoven's second. You know, it was kind of nice. I'm listening to the Lento movement. And, um, you know, it's uh, it's Bert Bondler conducting, and I'm really enjoying it. You know, I can hear those cellos going. It's fantastic. And uh, we went through the entire Lento movement. We came on to the, uh, to, to, to the Andante movement. We went all the way through the Andante movement. And then finally, we had the finale, and it was over. And I listened to the entire Beethoven second. Then I listened to the overture to Don Giovanni, which is always a kind of a nice overture. Well, late that afternoon, Harry came on the phone. By the way, he says he's also going to have a nice series of comics working on it, too. You know, a little funny joke. 